Welcome. Welcome to the Grow People podcast. That is Pastor Jason, and he's sitting right there. Yeah, that's the only part of your voice that I can replicate is the welcome. The, just the welcome? I can't go anything else. Can't go lower. No, I can't. I can't go lower. How you doing? No, you just did. You just did. Uh, I'm David Stein, campus pastor at a Canton location. The purpose of the Grow People podcast is to help grow people. Uh, this is the last podcast of the year. It is. Sorry, I was about to take a drink of water there. Take a sip. I don't think anybody heard that. <laughs> yeah, last podcast of the year is episode 53. 50, 51, and 52 have been doozies. Oh, doozies. Yeah. Double doozies. Yes. Uh, we talked Back about from a Great American Cookie Company. Not familiar. You're not familiar? No, I, I don't like a I don't like Great American Cookie Company. What is wrong? I did not know this. Yeah, you know why? We didn't go through this in your hiring process. No, every time that you have uh, a birthday and somebody makes you one of those big cookies, I'm like, really? That's what you asked for? What? <laughs> I don't mean that in a bad way. I didn't know this. Oh yeah, yeah, because they're, they're soft. We've we've been through the oh, soft, that's right the soft yeah. hard cookie thing. That's why the co- the crumble thing I don't get. I so don't the understand. cookie cakes must be a gentile thing. <laughs> it, is. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. We we grew up on something called schnecken. <laughs> <laughs> See, I have no idea what that is. You know, is that when you're you, kissing your girlfriend? <laughs> yeah, that is. That is. Do you know what rugula is? No. Arugula is in like no, the, the lettuce. Yeah, no, 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 no. no I don't know arugula. You've seen arugula. You've okay. had we've had some here. It's like a little dope. It's like a pastry, and it's kind of wrapped. It looks looks like a little crescent roll. Okay, only there's uh, raspberry filling uh, in it or something okay. like that. Gotcha. Um, we grew up on very non-sweet sweet desserts. So, which is better? So an apple cake. Yeah, uh, a cinnamon. Uh, a cinnamon roll, but not real sweet, not with icing yeah. on it. It's probably why you still look so so good and so vibrant at your age. Vi- vibrant. <laughs> he, he's he's spry. <laughs> he didn't eat sweet sweets. Back and, but the now, south. but now I binge Be- mm. because we didn't have those things when, yeah. when I went out on my own. <laughs> I I just I just went off the rails wow. in many ways. Uh, but the Lord has brought me back. Yeah. The, so the double doozy at Great American Cookie Company is when they two cookies, um, and then they put icing in the middle of it. So a doozy is like a smaller version, mm-hmm. like two small cookies, okay. and then a double doozy is like mm-hmm. two big cookies. So it's the know. chocolate chip cookie whoopie pie. Yes. Okay. Like that. Yes. All right. All right. And but the. I mean, it will give you a headache afterwards. Oh, I have a headache right now. Yeah. Think, yeah. <laughs> think, thinking about it just in the description. But Lindsay's always trying to get me to to buy the smaller one or share the bigger one. Mm. And I don't want to do either of those <laughs> things. So yeah, the double doozy mm-hmm. is. Mm. I've been good. I've avoided almost all of the Christmas cookies that have come here. Um, you know, I went, I went no sugar for the last 300 days. Yeah. With the exception of my daily Belveda breakfast cookie. Which is a complete lie, yeah. Because <laughs> it's sold in the cookie aisle, yes, and it's not for breakfast. It has ten grams of sugar, yeah, yeah. But you know, other than that, I'm not eating a lot of pie and cookies no, that's and good. cakes. And good stuff. for you. No, and and do you, ask me how much weight I've lost. <laughs> ask, go ahead, ask, 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 ask how ask, much ask. have you lost? Zero, yeah, <laughs> zero. So I'm I'm miserable. <laughs> I've yeah. lost no weight. <laughs> well, you are working out a lot. Well, so, yeah. yeah, hopefully that has yeah. countered that. It's at least shifted around. Yeah, it's like yeah. it's like my uh, one of my favorite comedians, Tom Papa, 
who talks about his friends that go on this no bread diet. Oh yeah. Low carb. And they lose like three pounds and nobody notices. Yeah. And he goes, and they don't eat bread. <laughs> they don't eat bread. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not worth it. No, no, absolutely not. Okay. Uh, just came out of hope for Christmas. Wow. Incredible. Over 2000 kids sponsored through the generosity of the people of revolution church. Yep. The event was incredible. Incredible. Um, you know, I say this after all of our events, that's the best thing we've ever done. But that was the best thing we've ever done. It, I think this is, yeah, you can say that. Yeah. Yeah. It was so well organized and uh, kudos to Lindsay Gertis. Yeah. Lindsay, uh, obviously, that's just her gifting. Mm-hmm. And that's why we work well together. And then our team, um, it, it was, I mean, incredible. I mean, those Give a Kid a Chance and Hope for Christmas are just great events mm-hmm. um, because of their focus is to bless our community. And but what I love about it is and why we do them is twofold. One, because it mobilizes our people to live life on mm-hmm. mission and then it has an impact in the community. And so, yeah, this year, last year we sponsored twelve hundred kids and then this year was two thousand. Wow. So it was a big leap for us, um, which it's not just about uh, more kids uh, like we need more people to sponsor kids. Exponentially, everything <laughs> grows. Mm-hmm. You need more space, more t- people, more, you know. So both campuses and um, it was just incredible. In fact, I was in Canton first and then went to Jasper and I got to Jasper right at the end. And I fully expected once I got there for things to be shutting down because, you know, you get to that last crew uh, group of families coming through, you know, we try to start, you know, but but when I got there, that place was popping. I mean, it was still mm-hmm. Uh, so many people, so many families. And that was the part that was probably the coolest. This was our, Lindsay told me this was our highest percentage show rate yes. that we've had. Yes, at least 90%. Yes, because people, if you don't know, people register for the event. That's how we get their information. And then we send them a lot of communication about the times to show up. So mm-hmm. they have to show up, obviously. And uh, so we know, mm-hmm. you know, who's coming. And, but, li- and life happens. Yeah, and, life happens. And like always after the event, like this week, there's 40 something families, I think, mm-hmm. um, that still have to come and get gifts and food boxes. But yeah, this year, and it rained both places. Mm-hmm. And so we were so worried about, you know, you don't do an event because a lot of it happens outside right. at both campuses. And, and, but yeah, miraculously, even with the rain, we had the highest show rate ever percentage wise people that registered showed up and we had a lot of guests come mm-hmm. as well um so it was just an incredible incredible event um again not for we don't do events for event sakes but because i don't like events right um but to have so many people so many team members so all of you that are part of our church that served thank you all of our outreach partners that were here that served um and just the community it is, and it just, it gives us such an opportunity to let families know, Hey, we're here. Mm-hmm. Here's the things we offer. Here's things other people in the community offer. And, and so it's, I feel like every time we do it, it just kind of anchors us more into the community mm-hmm. Yep. and lets families and our schools, cause we work through our school systems to know, Hey, we're here and we care about you. Our prayer team uh, was jammed up all day and we have all of the prayer requests now on a on a prayer list and our prayer team is praying for those prayer requests it was really cool there were just so many divine moments 
one one of the coolest things because we had more team members than we've ever had. Yeah. Uh, so our team members rock, our team leaders rock. At the end of the day, after transforming, you know, obviously last week we transformed the church into Hope for Christmas. Yeah. And then in a span of an hour and a half, the the church had to be transformed back. back. Yeah. So we could have gatherings on Sunday. So after moving all the chairs back in and taking all of the pipe and drape down and cleaning up everything and taking the inflatables down, everything was all packed away. There were what, 50, 60 team members just hanging out in the auditorium, having fun talking. Yeah, no, there was. And at the end of those of you still around, and I thought it was great. Like you were talking, Lindsay talked, Jason Woodward talked in, here in Canton. And I don't know about who talked in Jasper or what happened, but because I was back here in Canton at that point in time. Yeah. People were just hanging around and talking and y'all were talking, but I kept thinking, will y'all stop talking so I can go home? <laughs> <laughs> but no, no, nobody really wanted to leave. And that was one of the coolest things that we get, uh, we get to do this. Yeah. it was. You're right. Like, and that was, but I was just laughing yeah. to myself because you, yeah, people were just hanging out mm-hmm. and having fun. And that was great. But, it wasn't so much that I wanted to leave, yeah. but it was like, that was the first time I'd kind of sat down, oh, you know, yeah. for the day. And then just the longer I sat there, the, mm-hmm. I was about to fall asleep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Once you sit down, you're done. Yeah. So and, it's like once, once you get to mm-hmm. that level, cause this was what, what, four or five o'clock. Oh, it's five thirty, yeah. And, and you were the only one in the room that actually was going to preach the next day. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I was thinking. Um, I was like, if I don't get horizontal very fast <laughs> then um but i will say this moving all the chairs because you know we move the chairs thursday night after the gathering move the chairs back saturday and even in jasper i was helping move some of the chairs i don't know how the women of our church are not all bald and have hair still because the amount of women's hair that is on those <laughs> chairs is crazy it's almost like velcro the chairs are like velcro yes uh and i know obviously i have a wife and a daughter and you know their hair always in the shower drain and that kind of stuff but it was mostly dudes carrying the you know rolling the chairs back Mm -hmm. and forth and all of us like every stack we would pick up we're like i don't know how women still have hair on their head because there's so (laughs) much there is so much hair the 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 reason the lights are dim in the auditorium is you don't see the the condition of the chairs and we do clean like we clean our auditoriums and you know our buildings every week and so it's not like that stuff is on there for years (laughs) you know um Anyway, that's a side note. But. That is funny. Um, yeah, you were right in the middle of a weekend where you were preaching a phenomenal, me- ph- a really good message. Phenomenal. <laughs> I've heard of both ways. Yeah. Um, great message uh, out of Ephesians 3 leading up to the Christmas message. Uh, is this known as the great manifold message? I think it will be now. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That Again, it, and it's funny, we were actually talking about this in my small group on Monday night. And, and Lindsay and I, and, you know, in our small groups, we go over the messages Mm -hmm. and go over the, um, the sermon, the text and several of them had said in our group that, you know, they've read Ephesians before they've read it many times because it is a pretty popular letter, but they just felt like this time it was hitting them differently. And this time there was things that they just didn't see before or understand before. Mm -hmm. And 
going through it was just making, and like one of them said, I'll never see this letter the same again, you know, after reading it. And, and I made the comment obviously, cause I'm, was the one preaching the message, which is always fun in a small group, you know, but, um, I said, Oh, me too. Like I've, Ephesians is one of my favorite letters. It's Ephesians five. One was the very first verse I ever memorized. And so I love it, but I made the comment. I said, but that's why I love preaching, especially through books like this, because it forces me to slow down because how many times we just read something, right? And we're not really <clears throat> digging in, you know, mm-hmm. we're not slowing down and digging into the words. And so we were talking about, that idea of manifold and and I was telling them like just in studying it I I mean I know manifolds you know what I mean like I know the word and and you just see that and you're like oh the manifold wisdom of God you're like oh that's nice you know but then when you start thinking about the word mm-hmm. and and then breaking it down it's like oh many folds oh and that's when I was studying it last week it was like oh folds you know and and that's where the paper idea came out he had a prop yeah i did uh which the funny thing is in between thursday and sunday my prop got lost uh because in backstage in canton you know we have a little office back there but it's a multi-use space you know um so santa claus was back there on saturday during hope for christmas so sometime in between saturday i had made on you know before a gathering uh thursday night i had made that piece of paper fold Mm -hmm. you know folded it all up and used it. And then I got here on Sunday morning and we went through run through like we always do. And about nine fifteen, you know, 15 minutes before the gathering start, I'm looking at, uh, there's my, Oh, where's my piece of paper? Well, somebody threw away my piece of paper. We found out who it was. Probably. <laughs> we think it was Santa Claus. Probably. Probably. And, um, cause, cause Santa Claus was back there Yeah, yeah. Uh, at, at hope for Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. We're not blaming you, Santa. No, no. I mean, he probably, or somebody, somebody just probably cleaned up back right. there. And they just saw a folded up piece of paper. Sure. And I was like, that's not just a piece of paper. That's the manifold wisdom of God that you're throwing away. <laughs> he may he may have thought it was your wish list. Yeah, he might have. Like I needed a manifold for my truck or something. Um, so Sunday morning I was scrambling. So I had to go back over to our office. But I wound up getting a bigger piece of paper. So in the sovereignty of God, I guess it was better. And folding it up. Uh, which I thought, you know, for the camera made it, made it better. Um, but that's what I loved about, well, that's what I love about, again, like I said, preaching through books and then focusing on it. Cause then like that analogy to me, I'd never thought of that analogy before. Um, like the idea that God has folded up all of human history, um, before he started, you know, before he made the world. And now he's just unfolding it, Mm. you know, Mm -hmm. um, and every time, you know, a new part gets unfolded, you know, that's God just making known what, what was folded up or him unfolding what was folded up, which again, I think really helps you understand how your old Testament and new Testament fits together and why we can't just disconnect ourselves from the old Mm -hmm. Testament. We need to know that story we need to know because that's our story right you know and if you think about it and i know we'll talk a little bit about this and we've been talking talking about over the last several weeks israel you know ethnic israel spiritual israel and and i was thinking about this the other day you know god didn't come 
God didn't make the world and he didn't come to make two different religions like Judaism and Christianity. Um, although they're treated today, like they're two different Mm -hmm. religions. Um, and obviously from a practice standpoint, you know, from just a sheer practical standpoint, they are, Mm -hmm. but I was thinking about, that's not what God came to do though. You know, like Christianity is the fulfillment of everything that God promised. And so it's not like saying Judaism is incomplete and Christianity is complete, but if you see them from a perspective of that, of they're all a part of this one unfolding plan. Yeah. That's why when, and well-meaning people have said, oh, you're a completed Jew. And, well, no. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. No. I would say that this was one plan that God had. Yes. And, you know, I was able to see by the power of the Holy Spirit yes. that Jesus is Messiah. Yes. Well, and I think, and it's really amazing when you think about it. And again, we've talked about this in those last podcasts, but the whole point that the Bible is trying to make in this unfolding plan is what Paul says in Romans 9, 10, and 11. And it also says in Galatians 3 that the children of Abraham are those who have the faith of Abraham, not just the flesh of Abraham. Mm -hmm. So you're a child of Abraham, not because you're ethnically the same line of him uh, to where I am not, but ultimately you're a child of Abraham now because you have the same faith he has. Mm -hmm. And that's the point. And that's kind of what I mean. Again, there are still ethnically Jewish people, but that's the differentiating thing to think about is there's ethnic Israel and there's spiritual Israel. And the point was always have the faith of Abraham. So if you think about it from that perspective, like, you know, just how procreation happens, man and woman coming together in their flesh to make a child. Well, in the same way, God doesn't want us to just pass on our flesh. He Mm -hmm. wants us to pass on our faith. Mm -hmm. And that's the whole point. And so when you see it from that perspective, that's what to me, which again, I didn't, it's not like we planned that. It's not like we planned to have the conversations that we've just had about Israel and the church. And then I preach Ephesians 3 about the manifold, this unfolding wisdom of God. I, I just felt like that was the best and most amazing analogy to kind of sum up everything we've talked about on this podcast. Yeah. That it's always been one unfolding plan. Amazing. And the cool thing to me now is how he says through the church, he is making this known, but now to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. So the church, our church, our local church and every local church we have to do our part to unfold our piece mm-hmm. of that plan. Mm. You know, Good. our part to to unfold the story of Jesus and it's working its way out as faith in people's lives. Um, that's just amazing to me. Well, it was uh, a great message. Um, not It was a great prop. Not my favorite prop of all time. <laughs> uh, my, my favorite prop was Easter 2016, the door frame. The door frame. Yeah, that oh, was good. The door, yeah. Yeah. That was amazing. Yeah. That, that, that was one of those you, you elbow the person next to you and go, oh, that's good. The Passover. Yeah. yeah. The blood on the doorpost. Yep. Um, anything else from the message you want to you share? Well, one thing I did want to share, uh, what I just kind of referenced it to, it actually goes back to our podcast last week uh, or last time, whenever it's that was. It's a callback. 
It's a callback, yeah. Was again this amazing thing where Jesus said or Paul says in Ephesians three that the through the church he's making known the manifold wisdom of God to the rulers and authorities. And so I talked about how um now through the church we are you know, we are in this spiritual battle, and we'll get into it in Ephesians 6. We don't fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in the right. heavenly places. Mm-hmm. And so what's amazing to me is now through the church, um, the Holy Spirit is rescuing people that are enslaved to sin. And I talked about the first se- first heaven, second heaven, third heaven, that idea, and how Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, he was going to build his church and the gates of hell can't stop it. So now through, through the church in the name of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, the church can walk into Satan's kingdom and steal back God's people. Mm-hmm. And, and Satan can't do a thing about it. And the callback to last podcast was when we were talking about at the end, why I think we're in the millennial reign of Christ now mm-hmm. and the tribulation uh, we were talking about the strong man and you asked me a question about if Satan was a strong man. And I, 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 it's not that I said something wrong, right. but it was, I didn't say it clearly to your point. Yes. What Jesus was talking about in Mark six and Luke 11, um, where he talks about the strong man, um, was in the context of people were saying Jesus was actually an evil spirit. Mm. Like he was, he was from Beelzebub or the devil. And Jesus's point was, how can the devil throw out the devil? How mm-hmm. a house divided against itself right. can't stand. And then he says, a strong man, you know, has a house and he's guarding it. Well, someone first has to come in and bind the strong man. Right. So then you can plunder the house. What I was saying was that Jesus is the stronger man. Yes. But to your point, yes, Satan is the strong man in that story. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to clarify that if you were listening to last week's podcast, like I, I misspoke in that to say, yes, Satan is the right. strong man. Mm-hmm. But now because Jesus died and rose again, he's bound Satan. Mm-hmm. He has bound the strong man. And now if you think about that in terms of this week's message, we now have the power to go into the kingdom of darkness mm-hmm. and, and rob or plunder the people of God because the strong man's been bound. Hmm. He can't do anything about it. And that's what Jesus was saying there in which I'm trying, I was trying to relate to the, that's what I think why we're in this millennial reign of Christ. We're in the reign of Christ right now. Satan does not have power over people. Now he's still powerful. He still deceives the nation. Yes. He's still doing those things, but now in the name of Jesus, because Jesus has bound him, Satan can't stop the church from taking back the people of God. So we don't have to pray for uh, to bind the strong man. The strong man's already been he's bound. He's been bound. Okay. Yes. And that's where you were asking mm-hmm. the question. Yep. And, and again, some, some different kind of strands of Christianity will say we need to pray to bind the strong man. I wouldn't say that we need to pray to bind the strong man because Satan's, Jesus has already bound him. Mm-hmm. I would say help us to operate in faith. Mm. that he is bound. Yes. You know, um, mm-hmm. give uh, as Paul said, give me boldness. That's why he said we have boldness because we have access now. That's right. Um, so we can go forward in boldness, no matter how dark this world gets. Again, 
if we're in the tribulation, I think we are. If we're in the millennial reign of Christ, I think we are. We can move forward knowing that the strong man's been bound, that that Satan and his demons and his legion, uh, or you know, group, um, does not have power over Jesus and the church, mm-hmm. because the Holy Spirit is greater than those evil spirits, and that's why I think yes, the the statement I was trying to make and what you just asked, Satan is bound now, because. When Jesus walked the earth, you know, demons were subject to him. And when Jesus sent out the 72, as we reference, demons were subject to the apostles, you know. So, yes, the strong man has been bound. And that was the point Jesus was trying to make. He was like, I'm not from, I'm not from, how can I be from Satan if mm-hmm. I've bound Satan? Sure. You yep. know, uh, no, he's like, I'm from the father. Mm-hmm. And that's why I have the power to bind him. Now through the church, we can go in and plunder. Uh, in the name of Jesus. And by plunder, I mean mm-hmm. get people. Yep. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, last podcast of the year. So we're in the middle of Hanukkah right now. We record this on Wednesdays. Yeah. And Hanukkah runs until the 15th, which I think is Friday. Okay. Um, and of course, uh, Christmas. We have our Christmas gatherings starting a week from tomorrow. Yeah. Which would be Thursday night in Canton and then Saturday night in Canton. And then Sunday in both locations. Yeah. Reg- almost almost regular hours on Sunday. We just a little bit. Yeah. yeah. So 9.30 and 11.30 on Sunday. Invite somebody. If you haven't been to our app, if you haven't been to our website, there's a QR code that you can actually make your home screen. Yes, which and you have. You yes. Show, oh, show. oh, yeah. Lead by example right there. Yeah. Uh, well, the camera's over there. Okay, right over here. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if you're watching. I'm showing you. Yeah. I, I, I did pull it out yesterday at... Uh, at a place that you enjoy uh, for their wings. Um, and I was in wing stop. That's what I didn't want to say it, but oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the place. No, praise Jesus. We just got one in Canton. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I took out a loan and went to wing stop. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to wings? Oh, apparently through the pandemic, <laughs> like, I don't know, either COVID hit the chickens hard or <laughs> I don't know. Inflation, man, like eggs and chicken. Whew. Yeah. There, yeah. There was this great family. Uh, at the next booth and they, I just admired how they were talking to their daughter and how they were encouraging her. Hmm. So afterwards I, I said, Hey, excuse me. I don't, I don't want to bother you. Um, you going to finish those wings. Uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, no I, I said, I just want to encourage you. You guys are doing great. Keep hmm. doing what you're doing with your daughter. Hmm. Uh, it was really neat to see. And the lady starts crying and, um, and I leave and it's like one of those moments like, Oh, what an opportunity. So I come back. Oh. I, I do the walk of shame back in yeah. back into Wingstop. And I pull out my phone. I pull up the QR code. Yeah. And I said, hey, do you guys have a church you go to? Yeah. And they said they do have a church. Okay. Um, I said, well, uh, I do want to invite you to our Christmas gatherings. Yeah. So. Well, good for you, man. That's so, awesome. There you go. Um, yeah. Hanukkah is uh, ending Friday, Festival of Lights. So for our non, um, or for our Great American Cookie Company f- side of the family. Mm-hmm. Why don't you explain what Hanukkah? By that I mean the Gentiles. <laughs> Why don't you explain to the family this that well, people that may not know? Well, let's go back twenty three hundred <laughs> years. Uh, yeah, it was twenty three hundred years ago. Yeah, and contrary to what the vice president of the United States husband posted on Twitter this <laughs> yeah. week, which was not the story of Hanukkah. Huh, now, he, yeah. now the, the second gentleman, that's what mm. he's called. The second gentleman is Jewish. Yes. 
Um, but he told a story of Hanukkah that was unfamiliar to any other Jewish person on the planet. Yeah. Uh, unfamiliar to the definition of Hanukkah. Yes. Yeah. So it was uh, 2,300 years ago, another season of great oppression and persecution of yeah. the Jewish people. And this time it was the, the Syrians and mm -hmm. the Greeks. Mm -hmm. So there was a king named Antiochus. And he was leading this oppression of the Jewish people and was killing them and destroying the temples. So the, um, the insurrection of just a handful of Jewish people was led by a guy named Judah Maccabee. They mm -hmm. called him the hammer. Yeah. And he came in. What a name. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> great name. Um, he came in with a, a band of, of ragtag uh, guys who were not going to not going to take no for an answer yeah and defeated the syrian army and took back the temple mm. so they get back to the temple and they find that the temple had been so desecrated and when i say desecrated not only physically but spiritually yeah so yeah. they had uh the syrians knew that uh the jewish people would not take kindly to pigs in the sanctuary yeah uh, because pigs were not kosher, they were yeah. not clean. They actually slaughtered pigs, mm. and the blood of the pigs were on the bima, on mm. the podium, on the mercy seat, quote unquote, yeah. of the synagogue. And so they came in and they saw all this destruction. There is an everlasting lamp in every synagogue. When you go into a synagogue today, you go to one in Roswell, there is a, a light above the podium okay. and it would be usually uh, above the Ark mm -hmm. where the Torah is, is held. Yeah. And the light is supposed to represent God's light. Mm -hmm. So it's supposed to be everlasting. Yeah. Well, they only had oil. They didn't have you know, smart bulbs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and in the destruction of the temple, they found a, a jar of oil and there was only enough oil for one night. Yeah. So they put the oil in the lamp, they lit the lamp and the miracle is that this oil lasted eight days and eight, eight days. nights. Yeah. So y'all listening probably only know Hanukkah through Adam Sandler. <laughs> and, <laughs> a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. The, but the story doesn't end there. What is incredible, and in John 10, you see this because Jesus walks through the portico, mm -hmm. and it would have been the season of Hanukkah. He mm -hmm. would have been there for the Festival of Dedication. Yeah. And I think I preached about this one time, that as Jesus is walking through the portico at the Festival of Dedication, which would have been Hanukkah, the, the Festival of Lights, yeah. here comes the light of the world. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the light of the world mm -hmm. is coming in during the festival of, of lights. lights. Okay, yeah. All right, it gets irony much. It, yeah. get, it yeah. gets so much better. Yeah, you've seen a menorah. Mm -hmm. Okay, the Hanukkah menorah has how many candles? Nine. Nine, yes. nine. <laughs> has nine candles, uh, four on each side, and then there is one candle in the middle. Yeah, that candle is called the shamus. That candle is used to light all the other candles. Mm -hmm. So on on the first night of Hanukkah. My true love gave to me uh, on the first night on the first night of Hanukkah, yeah. you would light the shamus mm -hmm. and then the shamus would light the first candle and you would sing Baruch HaTadonoi, Elheinu Mechalam, Shekhan of Mitzvah, Vitzivano, L'Chadlikner, Shel Hanukkah. So that, that, that would be the, the first prayer. And then you would celebrate each day and the shamus would light all the candles. Do you know what shamus means? Shamus means servant. Hmm. 
I did not know that. So the shamus is the servant candle mm. that lights all the other candles. Wow. So <laughs> the meaning behind Hanukkah and why Christians need to know these festivals and feasts, yeah. not necessarily to celebrate them. Uh, and you can, there's, no, there's nothing wrong with yeah. that. Uh, but to understand Jesus in every single thing. Now, you're mm. not going to see Hanukkah in in the in the Bible. Yeah. Uh, well, that's what I was going to say, because that wasn't one of the ones God initially prescribed right, them to. Right. It would be in the Talmud, yeah. uh, which is the owner's manual yeah. for Jewish people. It's the rabbinical tradition. <laughs> yes. Right? Yeah. yeah. So if, if you are Jewish, you would follow the Talmud mm -hmm. as to this is what you do, this is when you do it. So... In the Talmud, in uh, the book of Shabbos, um, in one other book, there is the description of what I just talked about. Yeah. How the Maccabees fought against the Syrian Greeks, defeated the Syrian Greeks, went back into the temple. The oil lasted eight days and eight nights, and you are to commemorate that in a feast of dedication. Yeah. So um, to see Jesus in Hanukkah. Yeah. <laughs> Is, is incredible because growing up, I mean, I remember, I have bad flashbacks about most of my childhood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As a lot of us do. Yeah. And uh, I remember vividly six years old, Hanukkah when we were six. And believe me, we never got to the eighth candle. Mm. We were... We were lazy. Yeah. <laughs> we would do like three nights and then, okay, whatever. Yeah. But the first night, first night of Hanukkah, you would get your like really special gift. Yeah. And I remember on the first night of Hanukkah, my brother got an NBA basketball, mm. like an indoor one. Mm. Back then. Nice. You get yeah. an indoor. I was like, that is amazing. I wonder what I'm getting. Yeah. I hope it's the Hot Wheels Supercharger set. <laughs> <laughs> and and it, was, it was a watch. Mm. It was a Timex watch. I was six. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was, and it was a simple time. It was 1967. There, yeah. I, I didn't have anywhere to go. Yeah. I didn't have a calendar. I didn't have yeah. a Google calendar. I didn't, didn't have really calendar. Need a watch. No, I had one friend. His name was Steve Cornish. He lived like three doors down. Yeah. If we were going to do something together, we would just go knock on each other's door. And yeah. I wasn't like, oh, it's four o'clock. I got to go see Steve. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I was... I was very disappointed, very ungrateful uh, for my watch, yeah. uh, of which I still have uh, horror flashbacks to. I, yeah. I have since repented of my ungratefulness uh, to my parents. I, I wish I still had that watch. Yeah, of course. But, you know, when you're six, I mean, that was back, there were only like 10 teams in each league in baseball. That, yeah. It was before division play. Yeah. It was, uh, it was a simple time. Yeah. Yeah. What are, we, what are we talking about? Oh, Hanukkah. Hanukkah. Yeah. yeah. Hanukkah. That's, you got sidetracked on your, that was a rabbit hole for you. Yeah. But no, what's amazing about that is, and I didn't think about it until you just were describing, A, because I didn't know that about the center candle, but B, even though that was a tradition or that was a festival that God didn't command them to do, even though that God was still involved in mm -hmm. that, like obviously God was involved in the miracle of that happening. Mm -hmm. And then even them celebrating it. So it's like, even though God didn't command it in his words, he was involved in it. And even in that, it points to Jesus. Yeah. You know, even in that. So even like, not only through his word is he pointing to Jesus, but he wants to point to Jesus through the experiences in your life. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like, and now this festival that Jewish people celebrate, it's still pointing to Christ 
even though it came out of a personal experience from some people. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was just cool to me. Like it, the celebration of that, it's not like God commanded them to do it. Right. But even in their experience, he was still using it to point to Jesus. Jesus is the servant candle. Yeah. He came to serve, not be served. Yeah. He, and he is the light of the he world. He is the light that lights everybody. Incredible. And, yeah. and I remember, and just going back to what you said about going through the letter of Ephesians. Yeah. And when we read something, you know, we can gloss over things. We can miss things. And we're going through John. It took us two and a half years to get through John. We're in John 10, and it happened to be the weekend that I was preaching, and I'm reading John 10, and I'm going, okay, Jesus comes in, walks through the portico, the colonnade, and, you know, it's the Feast of Dedication. Huh, I wonder what that is. Yeah. I wonder what that means. Hanukkah. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> and and all of these connections started to happen. Yeah. Going back to six years old, my first recollection yeah. of Hanukkah in our house. And and my dad would make such a big deal about the shamus, mm. but he didn't know, didn't know what it meant. Yeah. So really didn't cool. Know the symbolism. Yeah. Of it. Really cool stuff. Yeah. Uh, so just know that, that Hanukkah is not a, um, a Jewish copy of Christmas. Yeah. Because of assimilation into culture, it has become that Hanukkah thing where, yeah, people have lights on at their house and, yeah. and they buy gifts and you can go into TJ Maxx and get all kinds of uh, what is called Judaica. Whenever you see things with um, the Star of David on it mm, or Hebrew yeah. scriptures on it, that would be called Judaica. So gotcha. when we went to Israel and we were buying all those things, like um, uh, people were buying menorahs yeah. and they were buying mezuzahs for their house, yeah. that would be called Judaica. So you can still get that kind of stuff right next to the Christmas section. Gotcha. But it's celebrated on the 25th day in the Hebrew calendar of what we would call the month of December. Okay. Uh, it just happens to be around Christmas. That's yeah. why Hanukkah always fluctuates. There, there is, but it's on the twenty fifth day. It's on the twenty fifth day, the same in, way in the Hebrew calendar. I didn't know that. Yes, and it's never the same in the Gregorian calendar. So there isn't one Jewish person on the planet that actually knows when Hanukkah is each year. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> even even the rabbis are like, "When's Hanukkah?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> end of November. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Yeah, so, that's true. Yeah, it's kind of like Easter for us. You know, yeah, you just when, never know. When's Easter? Yeah. Yeah. But here we are in Christmas. And when we were in Israel, um, I think it was the second time. So you were on the last Israel trip, 2019. That was, yeah, which was your third time. Yes. Yeah. It was the second time that we had our mind blown. And then the third time, again, just fully understanding what really happened. And where was Jesus born? Mm-hmm. And why do we think that he was born here and not here? Yeah. So lots of context to get into as we uh, we close out the year. Talking about Christmas, there is a, a place between Jerusalem and Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're on the outskirts of Jerusalem, let's say uh, you're thinking about the outskirts of Canton, mm-hmm. and you're looking toward... Jasper, mm-hmm. about halfway up 515 would be Bethlehem. Yeah. You can see Bethlehem from Jerusalem. Yeah. So the hill. Bethlehem is, is elevated. I mean, Jeru- Jerusalem is elevated. Jerusalem is elevated. Yeah. And, and Bethlehem is down more in a valley. But in you, the south. But you can actually see Bethlehem. Yeah. It'd almost be like 
Jasper elevated up looking yes. down at Kim. Yes, excellent. Yeah, excellent. And, and but not as far. Yeah, it's but not, not as far. It's not twenty four miles. It's yeah. probably ten miles yeah. to, to Bethlehem. And as you're looking from Jerusalem to Bethlehem or Bethlehem to Jerusalem, there is an expanse of land. Yeah. Rocky land, like boulders. Mm -hmm. Boulders, grasses, occasional trees. And it's a pretty big expanse of land. Yeah. Those would be the shepherd's fields. Mm -hmm. And we believe that Jesus was born in the shepherd's fields mm -hmm. because just of, outside of Bethlehem. Because, yeah. So not not at where the um, the church is in Bethlehem. No, you didn't get to go to Bethlehem. No, because it's primarily a Islamic city now. It right? is. Yeah. It is. It's Palestinian. Part of West, the West Bank. Mm -hmm. Palestinian run. Yeah. And uh, it was one of the weirder things. The first time we went to Bethlehem, after we went to Bethlehem the first time, I told the guide, I told the uh, tour company, mm -hmm. we're not coming back if we have to go to Bethlehem. Yeah. So a lot of things when you go because on. Because your Jewish guides aren't allowed in. The Jewish guides are not allowed in. Yeah. Jewish people are not allowed in. Not allowed in. in. Yeah. So we stop at a checkpoint. And there are checkpoints around Jerusalem, so it's not abnormal. And I see our guide walk. I see Ronnie walking off, and then I see another guy walking on. Now I'm thinking, hey, are we getting hijacked? What, yeah. what, 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 is what just happened? Yeah. yeah. And he comes in, and he takes the microphone. He introduces himself, and he says, I will be your guide for your time in, in Bethlehem. Yeah. Now we're starting to figure this out. Okay. Yeah. So Ronnie was not allowed in. Which is an ironic thing from all we've just talked about the last couple of podcasts with Israel and the war that's going on. So Palestinians can live in Israel. Yes. But Jewish people cannot live in Palestinian areas. Correct. Yes. So do no, that. Like, enough said. Enough said. <laughs> yes. So it, it's uh, Bethlehem is dirty. Yeah. It, it smells. Um, it's only for tourists. Yeah. You know, you go to the... Uh, Church of the Nativity, I think it, maybe that's what it's called. I don't, re I don't it remember. Is, yeah, and from what I remember, and, yes. the, and there's an X on a stone. Yeah, and they think, okay, that's where Jesus was born. Yeah, and people flock to it and they cry and they kiss it. And, yeah, of course. But there is, um, which uh, came about when Constantine, mm -hmm. you know, the Roman Empire. That's where they said that. They think it happened. Right. But so there's the, way more theological significance to what we're talking about. Yeah. So the school of thought is that Jesus was born in the shepherd's fields. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. And I didn't know this until you came back and started telling me. And then we went. Because obviously I knew Jesus was born in Bethlehem because the Bible says, you know, prophetically, that is where he was through the, right. the Old Testament that Messiah would be born. And no one, no one disputes that. No one disputes that Jesus was actually born in Bethlehem um, right. from that perspective. The dispute is exactly where. Mm -hmm. Did it happen in town? Like in the modern thought was like there was no room for them in the inn. So then they were like back behind the inn, you know, uh, where the animals were. And so that was where the modern thought is uh, born in a manger. But the Bible doesn't tell us that there were animals there. It just says it was a manger. Mm -hmm. Um which, and again, I didn't realize either until we went, but it wasn't wooden. No. It was made out of stone. Yeah. Um, so and, and all the, the mangers that we mm -hmm. see that are wooden are wrong. Um, so if you have a manger in your, your front yard, tear it down. And, and it's, that, made, I'm, it's a joke. It's a joke. No, but That became something from, uh, from Europe. From Europe. Because their primarily building material was wood. 
So it was kind of like a reinterpretation of the manger in wood. Mm-hmm. But no, everything in, in Israel is stone. Yeah. Which our guy pointed out, how amazing is that, that God, you know, worked through that, that area through obviously the Jewish people to preserve things. Because the fact that the temple was built out of stone and not wood, that's still there, or the mm-hmm. base of it is still there. So the idea that a manger, he was born in a manger, would have been more like a cave, more like something built out of a rock. Right. Um, which is where there's a cave there, and that's why they think that that's where he was born. But more than likely, he was actually born out in the shepherd's fields. Um, and again, like you said, because we know there were shepherds nearby, mm-hmm. and there was a place out in those shepherds' fields where there's a tower made out of stone. Migdal Eater. Yeah, is that how you say it? Migdal Eater. Yeah, I wasn't even going to try. Yeah, yeah. well, <laughs> it, it, was, it was funny. You know, I, I asked Leanna last night as we were you know, thinking about what we were talking about. I said, hey, when we were at Shepherd's Fields, and she goes, oh, make Dahl Ader. And, yeah. she, and she just tells the whole story. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because it is fascinating. For Passover, yeah, they would raise a quarter million lambs yeah. for the sacrifice at Passover. And that's how we know that the population of Jerusalem goes from about 80,000 to two and a half million. Yeah. 80,000 to two and a half. And the old city of Jerusalem was not very big. No, it's not. So what are there? There's 289,000 people in Cherokee County, and all of a sudden it becomes 4 million people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. so it fills up pretty quick. We know that a, a lamb would feed about 8 to 10 people. Mm-hmm. So that's how we know 2.5 million people would come for the Passover. But the Passover lamb had to be raised blameless, spotless. spotless. There was only one place that spotless lambs were raised and it was in these shepherds fields under the watch of the tower of Migdal Adar, which is the tower of the flock. Yes. So the school of thought is that Jesus would have been born here as the sinless spotless lamb. Yeah. The only place where spotless lambs were raised and the whole notion that, that Mary would have been knocking on doors with Joseph. Hey, I need a place to birth this baby mm-hmm. um, was probably not going to happen in a Jewish culture mm-hmm. because there would have been uh, uncleanliness yes. in the birth of a, of a child. Yeah. So that would not have happened yeah. in somebody's home. They would or, have just welcomed them in. Or in somebody's yeah. barn. Yeah. So that's, that's, the, that's the story that kind of blew our minds yeah. in Israel. Yeah. And it's amazing. And again, I didn't know that. I mean, again, going back to that message from Passover uh, and Easter, Jesus, everything that happened in the Old Testament is symbolic or a shadow. It was real. It really happened, but it was pointing forward to something. So even how you paint the blood on the doorpost, Mm -hmm. you know, how Jesus, how God told the Jewish people to do that in Egypt at the top and the two sides and the bottom which was pointing where the cross would line up, mm. you know? And so, um, so that was always pointing forward to Jesus. And now you get this, this shadow mm-hmm. that we didn't know then the shepherd's fields that it's significant that not only Jesus was born in Bethlehem from the David perspective, from King David's perspective, but also because it was a shadow saying Jesus is the true Passover lamb. Mm. 
just like the other Passover lambs had to be spotless. And yeah, in, in the bottom of this tower was an area where these lambs would be born. Mm-hmm. And that's where that was like a manger. And so more than likely that's where Jesus was born in this kind of, it was a bottom of a tower made out of stone, you know, and that's where. Think think of like a stall made out of stone. Yeah. Almost like a lighthouse. If yes. you think about a lighthouse yeah. at the bottom of it, you know, it's hollowed out, you know, and that's what this tower would kind of look like. And so in the bottom, there'd be an opening and yeah, you could come in and that's where mm-hmm. the shepherds would lead those um, sheep to give birth. And so that's where. Mary, more than likely, Mary gave birth to Jesus, who is the true Passover lamb. He's the only person that was born spotless and sinless. So from his birth, God was signifying, this is the Passover lamb that's going to be the the sacrifice in a way that all these other lambs that come from here can't. Mm. And so, again, those lambs were a shadow pointing forward to Jesus that he was our true Passover lamb. Mm -hmm. He was our true sacrifice. Our guide told us that those 250,000 sacrificial lambs would be brought into the uh, the walls of the city, yeah. taken up to the Temple Mount, and slaughtered yeah. in the Holy of Holies. Yeah. And the blood would be so great that it would pour out down the steps of the Holy of Holies, down, the, down from the Temple Mount, to the temple platform, and the platform would be ankle deep in blood. Mm. And then Jesus comes and no longer does there need to be an animal sacrifice. Yes. Yeah. His, his blood is sufficient. Exactly. Amen. Yeah. So it's significant that he was born not only in Bethlehem, but in these fields. Mm-hmm. Because it's not just that God was saying, yes, this is the king that I promised that was going to be like King David. But this is the sacrificial lamb mm-hmm. who was born in these same places in these fields where shepherds were. Um, saying that he's the sacrificial lamb and he's the shepherd, you know? So there's all this amazing shadow symbolism mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we were talking this morning over, over at the office about all of the other historical significances of Christmas and the uh, traditions and the notion that it probably wasn't in December. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I thought you had a really good perspective on that. Yeah, you know, it's amazing. Yeah, most theologians would say Jesus wasn't actually born on December 25th. And um, again, during the time of Constantine, there was a lot of things that were kind of formalized from a Christian perspective when the Catholic Church was created. And places like this were identified, you know, mm-hmm. the Church of the Nativity and all these kind of things. Because Constantine, who was a believer now, wanted to maybe baptize the Holy Roman Empire, you know, and... um so there's a lot of places now historically that we have or that we know about because of that. But then there's some disputes on things like this, where those actually the paces, because that was three, four centuries later, right. you know, so we don't know. But sometimes it's that's used kind of as a, as a gotcha moment where unbelievers will say, well, you know, Jesus wasn't actually born on December 25th, right? Well, he, he may not have been. A lot of theologians think he was born in the spring or in the fall, and mm-hmm. there's reasons around that. But my point was like, it doesn't really matter the exact day he was born. Right. The fact matters is this is the fact he was born. Like, and no one disputes that he was born. He was a historical figure and he died and he rose again. And some of those details, I'm not saying they details don't matter. Don't hear. We just laid out how details matter, Sure, but some details don't, 
you know, um, just from a historical perspective, we don't need every detail of everything that Jesus ever did mm-hmm. in order to believe that he is the Christ, that he is the Messiah. So was he actually born on December 25th? I don't know. You know, uh, more than likely that was a pagan holiday that Christians took because they wanted they wanted to celebrate Jesus, and so they chose that day to kind of like, again, undo the pagan traditions and make a new sure. Christian tradition. And that's fine. I think that's great, and that's a good thing to do. And But was he actually born on that day? Probably not. Um, but it doesn't matter, just like how the Easter date moves. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter exactly when it is. It just matters that we celebrate that it happened. Yes. That's the point. Excellent. What are your... Uh... What are your favorite Christmas traditions? I mean, we're wrapping this year up and you're going to preach five messages. That's my favorite Christmas tradition. Pre- preaching. The preaching Christ- messages. <laughs> no, no, it, it, it is. I, and, I, and I know you, you love, you love preaching God's word. Yeah. Christmas is always a, um, I, I would say, and Lindsay and I, as we get older, we're trying to find ways to celebrate it better. Mm-hmm. But yeah, for much of my married life in ministry life, Christmas has revolved around church, Yep, you know, because here at revolution we do, you know, I will personally preach five gatherings. We'll have like eight to 10, you know, in person and online, the church I was on staff at in Texas before here, we normally did 10 in person. Like I would be at 10 mm-hmm. of them. The pastor there preaches 10 and they have others as well. So yeah, so much of our Christmas tradition has revolved around uh, church, but I don't say that as a negative thing because I want our, Lindsay and I want our kids to know that Christmas is about Jesus. It's not about the gifts per se, although again, it's fine, but it's about Jesus and what is Jesus about? He's about people. So for us, a Christmas tradition is serving. It is being at the church. It is facilitating and both of my kids will serve at gatherings. My wife, obviously, I will. So we love that. Mm-hmm. But then now our biggest tradition is we take off the week after. Even as a church, yep. we take off. Um, and Christmas morning, we will celebrate at our house. We'll go to her family's house. So that's always a big thing. So that's – and normally, back in the day, I would preach gatherings uh, at our church in Texas – and then we would finish the last one at like 10 or 11 at night. And then we would get in a car and drive all night long so that we could get to her parents' house Christmas morning. Wow. So used to, I don't do this now, <laughs> thank God, because they live in the same city as us. But I would literally be a part of 10 Christmas gatherings. And then Lindsay and I would pack, we'd be ready and we'd be packed up. And this is, Natalie wasn't born yet. So it was mainly me, Lindsay, and Jackson. And the two of them would sleep and I'd drive eight hours across the state of Texas through the night so that we could wake up. And normally wow. we'd have Christmas morning at like eight, you know, eight or nine in the morning and I'd still be awake because I'd been awake all night. And then we'd celebrate that and then I would go crash. <laughs> <laughs> I'd sleep the rest of the day. Uh, thank God now I get to go home, you know, and not drive through the night to celebrate Christmas. But I would say the best way to summarize it is we we like to spend our Christmas tradition is spending with the family of God mm-hmm. and then our personal family. That's excellent. Uh, and I would I highly recommend everybody in our church have that same mentality. Mm-hmm. Like make time to spend with your family, including the family of God, mm-hmm. you know, the church. 
because that's a big part. You want to develop that tradition. We always have gatherings on Christmas Eve. Sometimes those gatherings are just in the morning like this year because Christmas Eve is on a Sunday. Yep. Sometimes those gatherings are later in Christmas Eve. We try not to go, we won't go past five o'clock because we don't want people here that late with their families, like be at home. Um, but I do, I want to encourage everybody to make being a part of the family of God, a part of your Christmas tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, because it sends the message to your kids and to your family. Jesus, this is about Jesus, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I would even encourage people and we don't say it this way, but I think it's fine to say it this way for people to say, Hey, we want our best gift this year to be to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people will think that way, even from a giving perspective, mm-hmm. they want to give to Jesus, uh, give to the church because it's just a reminder that, Hey, Christmas really is about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And it's about what Jesus has done, which is to make us his family. And, and if you are generous, if you have started your journey of generosity here, if you've been giving for a long time, this will be uh, the time of year where you will get a giving statement Yeah, and it'll come out. Make sure you check it. Make sure it's correct. Yes, exactly. Because that'll be for your tax return for 2023. But your, your year end gift, you can give up until midnight on December 31st. Yes. And that day we'll actually have a gathering online. Like mm-hmm. I said, we, we take off the last weekend of the year. And new people to our church sometimes like, why do y'all do that? Again, it's a Sabbath Sunday for us. Mm-hmm. We want to be with our families. Yep. Um, but this year just so happens the 31st is on a Sunday. So it's kind of cool this year. Christmas Eve is on a Sunday. <laughs> new Year's Eve is on, a, is on a Sunday. So we'll record and have a, a gathering that day. And it's really cool because we get to celebrate some of the highlights of mm-hmm. the year, which is just awesome. So we'll share some of those stories. We'll talk about some of those things. Uh, and it's always great just to kind of look back, you know, as we now about to transition into 2024. Um, but yeah, that's the day you can give. And again, that's just a tax mm-hmm. thing. And, um, and all, all of the things we're going to talk about in the year end video, all of the things that we have talked about on the podcast, whether it was give a kid a chance or hope for Christmas or anything, if you have been coming to church and your mind has been blown and you're seeing Jesus in a way that you've never seen Jesus before. It is because of your generosity. 100%. All of this is tied to God's generous people. Yes. So that's that's why we give people an opportunity to give. Yes. And as a staff, we lead in that. Yes. We are all tithers. We are all generous givers. Not to inflate anything, just to say, hey, we can't get up on this stage and say give. We can't get up in front of these microphones and say, give if we're not. No. And it's funny. I was just listening to, uh, and I'll probably use some of this in our abide series that's coming up, but in Hebrews where it talks about, look at your leaders and imitate the outcome of their way of life and also make it a joy for them to serve because it's no benefit to you, which is a great (laughs) verse. But yeah, part of being in leadership and we'll get into this in Ephesians four next year as well as God has called some people to be in leadership, to equip the saints, to do the work of ministry. So therefore, as leaders in the church, we're called to equip people to do something. Well, I can't equip people to do something if I'm not doing it. Yep. I don't know how to do it. So how can I tell you how to do it if I'm not doing it? Mm-hmm. And we also call that hypocrisy. Yep. So <laughs> yeah. So as leaders in the church, we want to set the example so that people can imitate the outcome of our way of life. You know, and that, yes, that applies to giving as well, but serving it's like I said this last weekend, like God made us a minister. 
Um, and so all of us in Christ are ministers. And so we should be following the example of Jesus, which Jesus affirmed tithing um, with the Pharisees. He said, you tithe, that's great. You should keep doing that. But he said, you should get onto the weightier matters of mm-hmm. mercy and love, you know. So that is just one example of a continuation, even though it was an Old Testament command, now it's a New Testament principle that we should set the 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 example in every area, like mm-hmm. serving, like giving, like loving. Yeah. So. Um, a lot of folks will ask the question, you know, what are you doing for Christmas? You've already explained what, what you're doing. I, we don't know. Um, so, so when I, when I, when I'm vague and I go, I, I, I don't know what we're doing. Uh, we have, uh, several things that we could be doing on Christmas. We started a new tradition a couple years ago of just going away. The two of us. Yeah. And, which is good. And it was a blast. We went to Greenville and then we got there on Christmas Eve, uh, Christmas evening left on Christmas morning and realized everything's closed. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. <laughs> and it was 17 degrees. Yeah. And if you know my wife. So I don't like the cold. Not 17 degrees. Yeah. Uh, but we we managed to have a, a great time. So we started that new tradition. And then we have some friends that we absolutely love, the, love them dearly. And sometimes we'll spend Christmas there. But our, our plans are soft until about 15 minutes out. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just wild. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll see how we feel when we wake up on Christmas Day. Yeah. Uh, I will not be the guy buying the ham on the 23rd at Costco. No. Because who knows? whether we're going to use it or not, but we will, we will have all the staples to bring to people. Um, you know, whether it's a cake or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, those last minute invitations, you always have to have a bag of checks mix, uh, <laughs> uh, some br- a brownie mix you can throw in the yeah, oven. Exactly. Oh, you yeah. made brownies. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, that's it. That's the, that's the last year podcast end. of the year. Uh, we'll, we'll come back in January. We'll talk about, again, be prepared abide fasting all those kinds of things so that's coming so enjoy christmas enjoy the new year and then we'll be back here in 2024 if you want a transcript of today's show just follow it uh, watch it on youtube there is a transcript uh, we didn't know that until about a couple of months ago uh, or you could write down everything we say our producer is brian damaro our video technician neon kian sadichi our key grip uh, i don't know if he's here today Jakob pushkakovsky pushkakovsky Uh, Our head of doctrine and theology is Theologian. Our chief evangelist, Salvation. Our backsliding prevention officer is Lukewarm. Our director of Swedish witnessing is Bjorn Bjorn again. again. Our expert on Russian eschatology is Pitoff Hell. Just makes me giggle. Hell. Hell. (laughs) Our staff counselor is Les Moody. Our giving coordinator is Jenna Rossity. Our nativity coordinator, she's from France. Her name is Beth Laham. By way of Israel. Yes. Uh, Co-pastors of Plagues, Manny Locust and Lance Boyles. Our Irish eschatology professor is Mark O. the Beast. Our director of communication is Bernie Bush. Our director of doctrine of election is I am chosen. (laughs) Our sabbatical director is Trip Long. Our predestination expert, Grace and Faith. Grace and Faith. Our director of marriage studies from Romania, Shizma Betterhoff. Shizma Betterhoff. Our missional expert is Sam Aria. Our resident Trinitarian is Holly Spirit. The strategist for the final battle is Irma Geddon. Irma Geddon. And our resident sheep tender 
Oh, oh sheep tender. Yes. From oh. the shepherd's field. Yes. He only works in December uh, or whatever month that actually happened. His name is Nathaniel Tivity. <laughs> Nathaniel Tivity. <laughs> Nate Tivity. Nate Tivity. Was the how you said Nathaniel instead of Nate? <laughs> Nate Tivity. Yeah, I like that. Best advice we could ever give you to end the year? Trust God and take it out. We'll see you next year. Bye.